So early in uh, 2020, like January, February, when we didn't yet know what was to come, I led a book study with my online podcast community. We had decided that for Lent, we were going to read a book in this time of discernment and repentance. We're going to read this book by Desmond Tutu called The Book of Forgiving. Now, many of those of us who started the book study together, uh, who started the work of this book together, because it is that, could not finish it. (laughs) Uh, When the first waves of the pandemic hit and we were all struggling with stay-at-home orders and isolation and the fear that happened in March and April, and the work of this book was so hard on top of that already new hard of the pandemic. Now, if you haven't read it or heard of it, Tutu's Book of Forgiving is a workbook of sorts. He walks us through how to give and receive forgiveness. It is a hefty lift of a workbook to make your way through the steps. It's a hefty lift without a pandemic, I'll say, because forgiveness is hard work. It's why I couldn't get the lyric from It's Quiet Uptown from Hamilton out of my head this week. It's why I asked Paul if he would sing that song, you know, just just testing it out. It's why the title of my sermon is Forgiveness, Can You Imagine? That's the line that played in my head while I was writing. Then I figured it out on the piano and played it and then cried and then listened to it and cried some more. Because that's what happens when you hear that song, if you're like me. For those of you who haven't seen Hamilton or heard the music for it, Alexander in this moment has just ruined his marriage, lost his son, and he doesn't feel worthy of what he is asking for from his wife. And the chorus sings, they are standing in the garden, and Eliza, his wife, reaches over and takes his hand, and in that small act of forgiveness, he bows his head and he weeps. That's the overwhelming feeling of what it feels like to be forgiven when you are not worthy, when you know that you are not worthy. The chorus sings forgiveness. Can you imagine? Our gospel today is about that same kind of forgiveness. And our gospel has these three parts to help us figure it out. Jesus is Answer to Peter's question. So Peter's question, Jesus' answer, and then a parable as per usual. So Peter asks the question we all ask when we are wondering about forgiveness, maybe especially these days. How many times do I have to forgive someone? Like seven times? And Jesus says, no, Peter, not seven. So much more than seven Now, the translations here can differ. Some translations say 77 times, and other translations say 70 times 7. But the point is not that we need to count to 77 or 490. The point is that we need to stop counting. Jesus moves the argument from keeping a ledger to something uncountable. Now, I find this to be a challenge because I am an expert-level grudge holder. Anyone else? 
Thank you. Thank you for those of you being honest right now. That's right. Many scholars and theologians look at this verse as Jesus' reminder that forgiveness is a daily practice, and as often as we hold grudges, we are called to forgive. That sounds so hard. I would much rather hold a grudge. Forgiveness. Can you imagine? So Jesus tells Peter that he's not supposed to keep track of the ways in which others have wronged him, but to instead think about forgiveness as an unquenchable well from which to draw upon. And then Jesus tells a parable to make his point. Here is the parable again, paraphrased by Eugene Peterson in his message. The kingdom of God is like a king who decided to square accounts with his servants. As he got underway, one servant was brought before him who had run up a debt of $100,000. He couldn't pay, so the king ordered the man, along with his wife, children, and goods, to be auctioned off at the slave market. The poor man threw himself at the king's feet and begged, Give me a chance. I'll pay it all back. Touched by his plea, the king let him off, and erased the debt. The servant was no sooner out of the room when he came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him $10. He seized him by the throat and demanded, Pay up now! The poor wretch threw himself down and begged, Give me a chance, I'll pay it back. But he wouldn't do it. He had him arrested and put in jail until the debt was paid. When the other servants saw that this was going on, they were outraged and they brought a detailed report to the king. The king summoned the man and said, You evil servant, I forgave your entire debt when you begged me for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who also asked for mercy? I think this parable can be boiled down to just four words. Don't be a hypocrite. You are the servant who has been forgiven a huge debt. Can you not forgive as you have been forgiven? We speak these words during our worship service in the prayer Jesus taught us. It's like he was trying to tell us something. More than once even, right? I think that what Jesus is telling Peter and us is we need to stop taking so much time and energy focusing on all the ways which we have been wronged, but instead look at the ways in which we have been forgiven. When we reflect on the ways where we have been offered grace, offered forgiveness we did not deserve, that we have not earned, that reflection changes us. Jesus is reminding us in this parable that we need to let it change us. Let your experience of grace and mercy inform how you show grace and mercy to others. Forgiveness. Can you imagine? It is hard. I'm not saying it's not hard. It is hard. In the book of Forgiving, Desmond Tutu offers a whole chapter about what forgiveness is not because we tend to make it about other things instead. Forgiveness is not easy, he said. It's not peaceful. It's not a shortcut or a detour around pain. It's not the denial of damage you've done or damage that has been done to you. It is not passive. It is not quick. 
So if we know what it is not, then we can take a little time to think about what it is. How might you define forgiveness? Maybe you'd use a metaphor. That's what a lot of people do, right? One like letting go or erasing. One of my seminary professors, Matt Skinner, defined forgiveness as committing to the relationship going forward. I like that one. Author Debbie Thomas said, forgiveness is choosing to foreground love instead of resentment. I find that one harder. Desmond Tutu said that forgiveness is a choice we make after we have experienced pain due to hurt, harm, or loss. When we are experiencing that pain, we can choose to respond with harm or choose to respond with healing. Now, if we had a screen here, I'd put up his little chart. He had a little chart. It was very handy for looking, the two cycles where you go into harm or you go into healing. But if you look again at this parable, you'll see these two responses. The king responds with healing, forgiving a debt that cannot be paid. Forgiveness. Can you imagine? And then the servant finds his friend and responds with not healing, but harm. And then in doing so, creates a cycle of harm instead of a cycle of forgiveness. This is what Jesus is getting at. We have all been forgiven. Full stop. Already, right now, and yesterday, and this afternoon, and tomorrow too. Full stop. Now we forgive as we have been forgiven. Author Debbie Thomas wondered, what possible response can we have to this forgiveness but to pay the wealth of God's forgiveness forward? We can pay it forward. We all know we, we can pay it forward. We know this, right? We know this. But do we? We can throw away the ledger that keeps track of the ways we are wronged, but do we? Forgiveness. Can you imagine? What Jesus is asking when he says to forgive again and again and again, whether 77 times or 490 times, it is nothing less than the kind of forgiven, forgiveness that is given to us again and again and again and again. It is not just a one-time event, a daily practice, a regular practice. Some might even call it a way of life. And this way of life is rooted not in manipulation or agendas, I'm going to forgive this person so I get what I want, but in love, always in love. And that's what this parable is about. It is about forgiveness and the forgiveness we have been given, but it is also about our ability to offer that same forgiveness to others. This kind of forgiveness received and then given is freeing. It's that moment in Hamilton where Eliza takes Alexander's hand and you see the weight of all he has been feeling lifted off his shoulders as he weeps. I'd venture to say we've all had a moment like this where we have been forgiven when we did not deserve it. Or when we have offered forgiveness and taken a step to repair a relationship 
or forgiven someone and walked away. Forgiveness frees us in a way that is very hard to articulate. It's why Jesus tells a parable. It's why that song, It's Quiet Uptown, makes me weep. Forgiveness, can you imagine? It makes us cry because we can imagine. We have experienced it, and we will again and again and again. The thing that you think is most unforgivable, God has already forgiven. We're going to gather today around a very long and wide communion table. A table where none of us are worthy, and yet there is a place with your name on it. We're going to do this. We're going to eat and drink in remembrance of the forgiveness we have all received. And then we're going to go out and we are going to do the same to others. And I know this is hard. And Desmond Tutu knew it was hard too. He had some big forgiving to do. And he ended each chapter of his book of forgiving with a prayer. And so I want to end this sermon with one of my favorites. It was about forgiving. God forgives unconditionally, so can we. The thief on the cross still dies on his cross, but forgiveness will set his spirit free. And what of you and me, standing on the ground with our piles of hurts mounting so high, will we die a thousand deaths before we die? Yearning for revenge, will we die of that thirst? Will the rage that fills us be the stake on which we burn? Will we stumble over every resistance placed in our way and stay stuck in the misery of it all? Or will we take the chance that we might break free by following this path where it leads? Past the whys and the lies about how it cannot be. Here is our chance. Take this chance. Break free. So we can imagine forgiveness, for we have all been forgiven. That's a, a hard thing to take in sometimes. And so we have these moments of grace like communion where we can touch it and taste it and see it right in front of us, this forgiveness given to us. And there is a moment of freedom in in feeling that forgiveness. And when we do not take the moment to offer it to others, it doesn't mean your forgiveness is taken back from God. God's not like, oh, you didn't forgive that other person. Um, I'm taking it back from you. That's not how it works. You are forgiven. It has happened. It is done. And we have the ability right with us to offer that same forgiveness to others. When we don't do that, I'm telling you this because this is me, when we don't do that, it puts that same weight of our own sins right back on us. When we cannot forgive, when we hold the grudge, it actually hurts us more than the person we are holding the grudge against. 
And this is, I think, what we're getting at this morning with these songs about breaking free and breaking the chains. Because they have been broken for us, but we put them back on willingly by not offering it to others. And so, one of my favorite Lutheran pastors, Nadia Boltzweber, she wrote about this when somebody asked her, Oh, hi, B. Hi. She basically said, we all have this question, right? We, what do we do? If somebody's a jerk, which, let's be real, is happening kind of a lot right now. And what do we do? Do we have to forgive them? Do we have to do this? And this is Peter's question, and honestly, this is mine too. And here was her response. She said, maybe retaliation or holding on to anger about the harm done to me doesn't actually combat evil. Maybe it feeds it. Because in the end, if we're not careful, we can actually absorb the worst of our enemy and at some level we start to become them. So what if forgiveness, rather than being a cop-out way of saying it's okay, is actually a way of wielding bolt cutters and snapping the chains that link us? What if it's saying, what you did was so not okay, I refuse to be connected to it anymore? Forgiveness is about, is about being a freedom fighter. And free people are dangerous people. Free people aren't controlled by the past. Free people laugh more than others. Free people see beauty where others do not. Free people are not easily offended. Free people are unafraid to speak truth to stupid. Free people are not chained to resentments. And she says that is worth fighting for. So we have been fed and we have been reminded of the forgiveness we have been given. And now we go out to forgive as we have been forgiven. Again and again and again. Let your experience of grace and mercy change you and inform how you show grace and mercy to others. So go in peace to forgive and love and serve the Lord. Can you imagine?